Chapter Twenty Six of the Radio Boys on the Mexican Border by Gerald Breckenridge. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Six: The Night Attack. When Jack's figure had become merged in the shadows of the grove, Big Bob, standing beside the airplane, reached a decision. Not a soul in sight here, he muttered to himself, once more letting his gaze rove over his surroundings. Jack thought it would be best for me to stay here, but nobody's going to monkey with the plane. I'm going to follow him, till he reaches the house anyhow. He may need my help. Thus the big fellow salved his conscience from departing from orders, but he was so eager to take a hand in proceedings that he felt it would be torture to stay behind. He was dressed in von Arnheim's clothes, and his build was that of the German aviator. If he were observed, he would not be suspected. Even his atrocious Spanish would not betray him, as the German spoke the language almost as horribly as he. Thus he reasoned to himself as he strode rapidly after Jack. When he reached the other side of the grove and came in sight of the ranch house, Bob, as Jack had done, halted in amazement at sight of the splendid structure. He gazed around him, nobody in sight. Shrubbery intervening prevented him from gaining a clear view of the house. He started to skirt the bushes. Meantime, not far away, the conversation between Jack and Muller was nearing a climax. Approaching the pretended Morales, Muller asked what he had tried to convey in his radio call, explaining it had been so interfered with by another mysterious call as to be non-understandable. Not knowing Muller was the radio man at the ranch, Jack was nonplussed. Again, he answered that he could not be delayed and started to withdraw. Then Muller laid a detaining hand on his arm. "'Keep it to yourself if you want to.' Muller said, but I know something happened at the cave, and I have already reported it to the Don. First I thought you were trying to radio from the cave. Now here you come by airplane. There's— What do you mean? growled Jack gruffly, although secretly alarmed. I mean there's something wrong, Muller said. Muller still had no suspicion that the man before him was other than he pretended to be. Merely he was trying to pry into a matter that had aroused his curiosity— Jack, however, thought he was on the eve of being discovered, and was alarmed. At this moment Bob, skirting a clump of bushes on the lawn below, came in sight of the two figures and halted. He saw Jack wrench his arm from the other's grasp and turn to stride away. He saw the other raise an arm as if to stay Jack, and he saw the movement flip Jack's low-pulled hat from his head. It was accidental, but to Jack and Bob, the actor and observer in this little drama, it seemed to be by intent. It is possible Jack still might have saved the day had he stooped quickly, recovered his hat, and clapped it on again before Muller could have seen his features. As it was, however, Jack thought he was discovered, and he turned to deal with Muller. Then, in truth, he was discovered. Muller cried out in amazement, then Jack landed a stinging blow on the mouth which sent the young German toppling to the marble pave. At Muller's shout, several rebel sentries, who had been snoozing in the shadows beside the palace instead of mounting guard, were startled into instant wakefulness. They came trotting in bare feet, long rifles in hand, and ran up the wide flight of steps. Bob started forward to help Jack. The latter, however, took one look at the sentries and then dashed into the left wing of the building. The sentries for a moment did not pursue, believing the fleeing man was Morales. Instead, they bent above Muller and helped him to his feet. Bob halted and backed into the bushes, keeping his eyes on the scene. No use rushing in to help Jack now. He would merely succeed into getting into trouble himself, without aiding his chum. 
From his vantage point, he was able to read aright what followed, although he could not overhear what was being said and would not have understood the Spanish words if he had overheard. Nevertheless, he gathered that Muller was explaining the fugitive was not Morales, but someone wearing his clothes. Then he saw sentries dart away in pursuit of Jack, while Muller whipped out a revolver and fired three shots into the air. That's an alarm, Bob said to himself. I'd better back off before this place is alive with soldiers. Turning, he ran through the trees. Big Bob was not the one to desert a friend, but he saw no chance to help Jack now. On the other hand, he told himself, if he retained his freedom, he would be able to help Jack later, perhaps. Suddenly he caromed into a man running toward the house. Both rebounded from the contact. Bob saw the other was a Mexican with a rifle, and quick as thought he lashed out with his right fist and caught the soldier on the point of the jaw. Totally unprepared for this attack, the man went down as if shot. Bob ran at redoubled speed, burst through the screens of trees, and dashed across the landing field toward his airplane. He had no definite idea as to what course to pursue. He and Jack, of course, had counted upon the possibility of Jack's being discovered. In that case, when he heard the alarm, Bob, supposedly sticking by his airplane, was to have flown away. There were shouts behind him. Evidently, his soldier victim had recovered. Perhaps even Muller had suspected the truth, namely that if Jack were not Morales, then the aviator who brought him was not von Arnheim. In that case, Muller would be on his trail, and he would have no time to lose. What should he do? The shouts behind him were not repeated. Perhaps, after all, his identity was not yet suspected, and he was not pursued. Jack might be keeping all hands busy at the ranch. In great leaps he approached the airplane, and as he drew near, another thought obtruded itself. If he were to take flight in it, how would he get away? Who would crank the motor by twirling the propeller? This latter difficulty was quickly solved. Two Mexicans stood at respectful attention as he approached. Bob was dismayed for a moment, but then, seeing their awkward salute, he chuckled inwardly. They mistook him for von Arnheim, and evidently that German officer was a martinet who exacted a measure of discipline from the slovenly rebel soldiers. Cracking an order at them in his best garbled Spanish, Bob clambered into the pilot's seat. He was understood, and better was obeyed. One man gingerly approached the propeller and started twirling it, while the other went to the side of the plane and helped push it forward. The propeller began to whirl furiously as Bob worked the starting mechanism. The Mexicans leapt out of the way, and the plane began to bump ahead. Shouts of anger burst forth at the same moment. There was a crack of a rifle, and a bullet sang unpleasantly close to Bob's ears. Out of the tail of his eye, he could see a number of dark figures running toward him from the grove. But Bob did not wait to be interviewed. With a swoop, the airplane left the ground and started upward. His pursuers were so close at hand, they could almost grasp the wheels as they leapt upward. Yet not quite. Bullets whistled about him, and several pinged against the body of the machine with a sharp metallic ring. Bob thanked his stars that the plane had an all-metal body. Once above pursuit, he was safe from the stray rifle shots. With a curse, the baffled Muller, who had been quick to realize that if one masquerader was not Morales, then the other was not von Arnheim, watched the airplane shoot away at dizzying speed and disappear beyond the guarding hills to the north. Then he turned back toward the ranch house, eager to learn how the pursuit of Jack had ended. But for the young Herr Muller and the Calamari's ranch in general, the night alarms were not ended. In fact, they had just begun. 
before Muller on his return trip had reached the belt of the trees, while the search for Jack, who had mysteriously disappeared, went on merrily within the Calamari's palace, and while Bob was yet flying over the hills to the north, rebel pickets below him were attacked by Mexican government troops. It was an attack force. Viva Obregon! shouted the attackers. The rebels on the northern rampart of the hills defending the natural amphitheater where the Calamari's ranch was located fell back hurriedly. They were outnumbered. Out of the huddled buildings which the boys had only glimpsed at the rear of the great ranch house boiled scores of rebel soldiery, rubbing the sleep from their eyes, hugging their rifles as they trotted forward in bare feet. Within the house the search for Jack was temporarily abandoned, while the peppery little Don Fernandez Calamares, alarmed at this night attack, which might mean that the government troops were in force, hastened to take command outdoors. To Bob, who, having crossed the crest of the hill and shut off his motor and volplaning, the shots and cries of the attackers came distinctly. He had intended making a hazardous landing beyond the rebel lines and returning afoot to try and rescue Jack, but this newest development in the situation caused him to open the motor and start to spiraling upward. End of chapter 26